It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? Feel me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week, I have two guests. I have the lovely Joshua Toomey of the Talk To Me podcast, the headline maker himself. How are you doing? I'm doing well, trying to trying to stay in the headlines. Ah, yes. Well, I uh, it was kind of fun, actually, talking uh, about our podcast and making headlines. Both of us made headlines this week with the same guest. That would be Brandon from Bleeding Through. It was kind of fun uh, getting to do a chat, knowing that you and I were basically doing... It's always fun when you and I have, like, the same guests come on within a, right. a day or two of each other because we're always kind of like, well, how was it? Like, what did you talk about? Because I think we're at least <laughs> cognizant enough that we have a lot of the same thoughts. So we're like, right. well, what did you talk about? Because I don't, I don't want to tread on your shit. So, well, I think you normally ask me that. I could really care less what you ask him because you know it's. Uh... No. <laughs> <laughs> but Fair no, enough. I think it's funny that you bring up. You want to bring up that you 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 basically are the one that created headlines. I got the. I got some low-hanging fruit headlines, but you uh, you went super viral, and uh, you know, alternative press picked it up. So that's always a good time when when the big boys pick it up. The thing that's interesting to me, and I guess it it sort of sounds like shit talking, or you know, like biting the hand that feeds, sort of. But what's interesting to me is like, you know, when you when you have done some stuff, like in a band, will share it. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. But it took like literally for alt press to sh- to fucking catch the news before the band shared it on their socials. And I'm like, so it had to be like that level of something before you thought it was like worth sharing to your fans. Like, OK, that's kind of weird. Yeah, a lot of bands, uh, you never know what happens with in the inner workings of a band. And actually, their PR people are people I've never really dealt with before. I, you know, this is one of the few interviews I got through Metal Nexus. And, you know, basically, Fist over Metal Nexus asked if I wanted to do it. And I said, like, absolutely. I, I've always enjoyed Brandon and, the, you know, his podcast, his music and everything else. So I was happy to do it. So I don't know how quickly that they move on the PR side of it. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll have a guest on if I know that they have a strong uh, social media presence, you know, I'll definitely have them on like anytime John five wants to come on, you know, obviously I'd have him on anyway, but anytime he wants to come on, I will definitely have him on because he will share it. He will put it on his website. You know, he'll, he'll, he blankets, you know, social media with, uh, with, uh, you know, the interviews and the episodes that he does with me. So yeah, there, there are a lot of the, those kind of guys out there that I will definitely have on. Um, no matter what they're promoting. Yeah, no, I always loved uh, the episodes you've done with John 5, and I've always noticed that he he always goes above and beyond with the sharing, very much kind of right. like the Hope's Fall episode I did a couple of weeks ago. Like, you know, I was texting with Adam, and I go, hey, thanks for posting it on all the Hope's Fall socials. And he goes, yeah, why wouldn't we? And I go, well, you'd be surprised at how many the people and the band entities don't do that. Um, unless you're just on a certain level, like, you know, like a Rogan-esque kind of level. Um, (laughs) So to me, it's always, you know, greatly appreciated. I don't expect it to happen. So when it does, you're just like, oh, shit. Um, But no, I mean, I thought it was really awesome, you know, to see you and I both, like, you know, getting the attention for the podcast. Because, I mean, I think the thing that's interesting to to, uh, for you and I, and like I was talking with Dan from a discography discussion about this the other day, is I feel like, you know, there's and it's more so with you guys not you know i'm kind of slowly working my way in but it's like you know between discography discussion roach coach you guys uh you know and a handful of other podcasts like everyone's kind of really tightly knit and we all support each other and it reminds me of a scene like a a band scene and i haven't really seen (laughs) you went potty good job no accidents good job yeah. Shopping that to the PRP. <laughs> Elton Cash goes potty. <laughs> no accidents. <laughs> oh, Elton Cash to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay, go to bed, Elton Cash to me. Yeah, but anyway, so it's kind of interesting just to kind of see like this this correl- uh, this coalition, I guess. Is that the right word? I almost feel like that sounds like really racist. <laughs> a Correlation? 
a collection of uh, people, basically, like, kind of coming together, a podcast scene, as it were. And, you know, I... You know, there's a handful of people that do podcasts, you know, like Jost and so forth. And, you know, he has had Doc Coyle on. He's had a few other podcasters on. But I don't really see the camaraderie like I do, like, with a lot of the, the handful of podcasts that are, you know, kind of always intermingling with each other. And I think that's really cool. And I think, you know, instead of, you know, another Jostism, uh, instead of being exclusive, you know, everyone's very really inclusive. And, you know, every right. like, your success is, like, everyone, like, you know, is excited about it. And I know, like, a handful of people have reached out to me, like, when the thing, like, you did, like, where you're like, hey, you went viral, like, this shit went on, metal injection or whatever, like, you know, it's it's cool to me that, like, instead of being like, oh, fuck, you got a headline, like, this shit's gonna be better the more I, it's like, it's not like that. And I, I think that's fucking sweet to me, personally. No, and that's the one thing I've always said about doing the podcast was that's the one byproduct of doing the show that I never expected to happen was the camaraderie between the other shows. You know, when I started the show... Almost three years ago, I did it just kind of to do something and to, you know, to interview my friends and to uh, put a show out that I thought that maybe, maybe just my friends would listen to. And it's turned into a, you know, a monster that, you know, the, the, uh, the big guys pick up like a spin magazine or, or even like alternative press and, and blabbermouth and the PRP and all those sites. It's, it's funny to kind of be in the mix of the metal media. Yeah, it was kind of amusing today because uh it was some very weird like fourth wall breaking shit that happened uh today to me that i was like wow okay where because of the news of you know my episode of the bleeding through thing and and the headlines Mm -hmm. that people ran with i was listening to the shane told lead singer syndrome podcast today from a couple of days ago i guess and he had telly smith from the word alive on and i hear them you know talking about how you know, now Shane basically is media and he kind of forgets that he is media, doesn't think of himself as such, but he, right. he should. And so he was talking with Telly and then he was like, oh, did I give you a like a headline worthy thing in this? Like, you know, making a joke. And then he goes, oh, no, you got to talk about bring me the horizon that that's what everyone wants to hop on. And then so Telly just goes, uh, oh, yeah. OK, here we go. So bring me the horizon. So they were a shitty deathcore band a couple years like, you know, when they started. But, right. you know, the last two and basically started. And as I was listening to it, I was like, oh, that sounds really familiar. And I, I for, <laughs> how do dumb, I know this? Yeah, it was so stupid that I was like, I was like, I can't place this, but I know I've heard this. And then it was like, oh, shit, they're making fun of like my thing, ba- like not making fun of me <laughs> right. or my interview, but like just the headline and, w- and what has happened as a result of it. And I was just like, I've never I personally have never seen it get to that weird level where you're listening to a podcast and they reference something else. I don't know if you have in any of this, like maybe the Corey Taylor one, just because that one's so huge. Well, I mean, the the West Borland, Aaron Lewis stuff, mm-hmm. when Aaron Lewis kind of popped back around and then you've got uh, you've got Burt Kreischer doing an entire reaction video <laughs> to Aaron Lewis's reaction to what you know, Wes said on my podcast and I'm just like, what? And then like, I, I thanked Bert for, uh, fanning the flames and he like retweeted me or something. And I was like, <laughs> how is this happening? Why is Bert Kreischer retweeting me thanking him for, I don't know. It's, it's, it's always such a bizarre thing, especially when, you know, when a story goes that viral and for a long time, you know, I definitely was the Glenn Benton, Corey Taylor thing. And then now it's the West Borland thing and stuff. And you know, those would be your kind of calling cards and, and what's crazy is, you know, you and I talked a little bit off air about the, you know, you wish more people would actually listen to the interview. You wish more people would actually take the time to find the source material because there were a lot of times that I would mention the Corey Taylor thing and they're like, oh my God, that was your show. That's crazy. Like, you know, you got to put two and two together in a lot of people's minds. Like, oh yeah. You, actually, I even think when I met Josta, one of the last times I talked to him, I was like, hey man, uh, you know, you got to check out my show, uh, the Glenn Benton, you know, Corey Taylor stuff happened on that. He was like, oh, man, that's cool. That's crazy. That was your show or something. So it's definitely it'll become a calling card. You know, you can definitely go to another, uh, you know, PR person or whatnot and be like, hey, do you remember when this happened? That was my show and see what my show can do. You know, we can make the headlines. Yeah. So, you, you know, that's it's always a, a positive thing when uh, something goes crazy like that. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's really interesting. And uh, kind of speaking of doing the podcast and, and having people kind of watching uh, and all that kind of stuff. You guys, a lot of you from the, the podcast group are getting ready to gear up for louder. 
are getting ready to gear up for the Rock and Pod Expo, the the second year that it actually is going on. I know there's a lot more. It sounds like a lot cooler shit kind of happened this year. Like it's it's stepping up with a lot of the things they're doing. Some of the guests they're having. You're even uh, curating a panel. Uh, Brian Head Welch panel. Uh, him and I will be on stage. We'll be talking about his documentary, Loud Crazy Love. Can you hear me? I look like I'm. Yeah, you can hear. I can hear you. You got me. Yep. Okay. I'm a little a little choppy on my end, so I don't want to give you shitty audio, uh, shittier audio, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) the, uh, no, just, uh, I'll be curating the, the Brian head Welch, uh, panel with his, uh, new documentary, loud, crazy love. I'm sure we'll, we'll mix in a bunch of corn questions, probably take some questions from the audience, something like that for probably an hour on stage. And then he'll also be there to sign autographs, take photos. And from what I can tell, I don't think he's charging any extra for, photos so your ten dollar ticket that gets you in should get you at least an autograph um i but from what i can tell he's not charging for photos or anything uh vinnie vincent on the other hand who came out of hiding um he will be charging for a lot of stuff it's, it is an extra ticket but if you want to just go to the show and see the decibel geek guys talking about vinnie vincent and uh they're going to do a uh, i almost said discography discussion a uh, albums unleashed with um kisses lick it up so Vinny Visit will break down each song on Kisses Lick It Up on stage with the Decibel Geek guys. And they do a great job at that at that format. So I think it's going to be fun. So you got those two things. And plus, you're going to have tons of rock stars, tons of uh, rock and roll podcasts and stuff. So it's going to be a lot of fun if you're in Nashville, August 25th at the Nashville Palace. The, uh, the venue is bigger this year. The guests are bigger this year. You know, the podcast, I guess, are a little bit bigger this year. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Have you ever moderated a panel before? Are you like excited slash nervous to do this? Um, I have never obviously I've never moderated a panel. I was on a panel last year for the uh, Drunken Lullabies, um, <laughs> and we did uh, we talked about beer and stuff like that. So I mean, I was a part of a panel, but I wasn't moderating the panel. Um, you know, it's kind of crazy thinking back to. 13 14 15 year old me being a huge corn fan at that age and then now you know pushing 40 i'll be sitting on stage with brian head welsh you know asking him questions and uh you know it's one of those like how did i get here moments i'm sure i'm sure that's going to be a very odd moment in my life once it happens but uh i'm not nervous i'm more excited to just kind of see how it goes yeah speaking of nervous i uh full disclosure i was really nervous for the the chat that is the podcast this week which is jose from incubus their drummer yeah yeah i don't know how i talked my way into that (laughs) in all seriousness and when it finally came through and i had a i had a publicist call me ahead of time to make sure that everything was good to go and then he called me that was about 15 minutes before the interview and then called me to connect me with uh jose it was so really official that it was kind of nerve-wracking where i was like oh my god this is wow this is like on a level that i've never even been on and you know i was like legit nervous i was like holy shit like even though it was a short amount of time i only got to have 15 minutes with jose like i mean i'm sure you've had those things too where you have such a limited amount of time with somebody, but you know, it's just, it's such a good get. And you know that like, you got to make every question count. Cause really you're probably yeah. looking at about four questions, honestly. <laughs> and yeah. It depends on who you're talking to. Yeah. But that's, yeah, it's about four questions and you can't really go too deep. You can't be like, Oh, on, uh, on fungus among us. <laughs> I noticed you were doing this weird shuffle beat with your kick and <laughs> snare. Yeah. You can't like do <laughs> shit like that. Cause no one cares. So, I mean, it was, it's just really crazy that it's like, you know, I've been doing this for a year now or a little over a year now. And like, I was legit nervous and it's not like I was doing it like this where I could actually sort of see you. It just straight up was a phone call. So, and it Mm -hmm. was just like, like I was like sitting upright and made sure everything was all nice and neat. And I was like, why am I so worried to talk to somebody? (laughs) And it's like, you know, like he couldn't have been nicer, but it's just kind of weird that it's like, you know, that's how it is. And I don't know. Like, have you, have you had that with anyone that you've talked to? Like, where you're just like, holy shit, like, I'm, I'm actually nervous to talk to this person. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, obviously, kind of going back to the Phil Anselmo interview, you know, that's like, that was a bucket list guest. And uh, that was actually in 2017. I said my goals for the year was to have like Phil and Vinny and Rex on the podcast. And I think second episode of the year was Phil Anselmo. So yeah, that was a, that was a crazy get. Some of the, some of the guys that I, if I listened to the band when I was like 13 or 14, and I get to get to interview them now. That's when they kind of get the butterflies going, you know, like the Dave Ellefson's of Megadeth and Jeff Walker or Carcass, those kind of guys. I'm sure if 
you know, like uh, any member of Metallica or something like that, that would probably freak me out. But, um, yeah, I think the, the Jim Brewer interview, that kind of freaked me out just because of how big and, you know, he's not necessarily in my world. So that was, that was a crazy one. Right. Um, but you know, there's always a little bit of, uh, there's always a little bit of butterflies cause you just never know how the person on the other line is going to take it. Or, you know, if you're going to ask a bunch of stupid questions that get hung up on, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, and for a long time, I, I, I wasn't necessarily listening to those people on other shows for some odd reason. And then now I, I kind of delve more into watching YouTube videos and uh, watching interviews on certain things or finding if they run another podcast to kind of get a, a sense of their cadence and a sense of how they talk and, you know, kind of go from there. And, you know, I'll reach out to maybe someone else that's interviewed them and, they'll say, Oh, well, this guy's like a, like with Woody Weatherman of corrosion conformity. I was talking to Chris Aiken of the classic metal show. And he's like, man, he's just a good old boy. And I grew up in Tennessee, so I know how to talk to some good old boys. So we just had a good old boy conversation. You know, we were talking about the weather and jamming and, and all the kind of <laughs> stuff, and, you know, not having a, I'm not going to ask Woody Weatherman about, you know, intonating a guitar. You know? right. I'm sure he just picks it up and just wails on it. You know, it's not like I'm going to ask a bunch of tech talk with him or something. Not that I ever really would, but you know, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where it was with that. So yeah, I don't really get too nervous with people anymore. You know, it's, it's more of a, um, you know, pretty comfortable at this point. You've, uh, with, I mean, Incubus, like with as long as they've been around, I always find it interesting talking to people because it seems that, it's interesting to see where everyone's entrance point entrant point was with the band, yeah, and yeah, where they ended. It seems like the general consensus for a lot of people is that uh, most people left off at uh, Morning View. Some people stuck around once Dirk left and Ben came in, and a Crow left of the Murder is kind of where everyone else seems to have hopped off that are around our age. So, what was your what are your for earliest Incubus memories? Um, I mean, obviously, my earliest. Incubus memories, I think, was make um, was science. You know, that was a uh, a mainstay in the tape slash CD collection there for a long time. And then we went back to, I guess it was Fungus Among Us, and kind of got into that a little bit. And then um, was it Make Yourself after that? Make Yourself was after Science, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, the that was kind of like the peak of it all. And uh, you know, I got to see them a few times around that time. And um, was at one point supposed to open for them, but the show never came through kind of thing. So that's pretty much my history with them. You know, then after that, they just kind of became a band on the radio to me. Um, but science is still a go-to album. I mean, it's just such a faith, no more influenced album that you just kind of had to love it. It's always kind of interesting how people either seem to gravitate toward that era of the band or later on, you know, in talking with some other people recently, uh, it's interesting that the band, because I, I listened to the new record and was kind of surprised at kind of the departure of the the sound of the band over the last handful of records. And it's like, you know, the band did fine doing their own thing and having hits. So I don't know what happened over the last handful to where it seems like they're just have, I don't know if they're trying to experiment a lot more just for the shits and giggles of it or or what. But it's like, it's been very interesting to see that whatever happened after Crow left of the murder, there's just been such a, a shift. So I think I asked you where you kind of, the last record it was make yourself was the last record. I think you said that you really were listening yeah. to it and then it became a radio band would, for you. Yeah, they definitely at that point became radio band to me. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's still just interesting to me like to see the progression of their career. I think they, they have hits, they wrote hits kind of in their own way. And it's been interesting to see, I don't know. I just, I've also been thinking in the last handful of years, you know, in, in light of like a corner or seven dust or some of these other bands who are putting out records that are probably some of the, as at least enough of a reminder of how they used to be and, and or better records from, you know, in the case of like seven dust and forth. But at what point do we as fans kind of just stop caring about a band? You ever thought about that? I think it's when they maybe when they stray too far from where they where you got hooked into them. You know, a, a band like Incubus is a and I know it's an Incubus episode and there's probably Incubus fans listening. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the PR people of Incubus are probably not happy if I kind of kind of downgrade it. But, you know, Incubus is the prime example of a band that came out as one style and then morphed into another style that was so far away from where they originally started out. So, I mean, there's. 
there's no way that you can ask a fan of science that didn't evolve with them to be a fan of probably something they're doing now. Because, you know, I listen to science for, you know, all the DJ stuff and the, then the, and the crazy, you know, beats and the crazy guitar work and, you know, kind of almost, it, it was very, like I said, it was very faith, no more eccentric stuff. And then they morphed into, then they morphed into that radio band. They morphed into a, a band that's going to write some hits, you know, and I wasn't into the band for the hits. I was into the band for the, for the musicality and the experimentation. So, so I, I it's, they are almost the prime example of a band that strayed too far from where they started. You know, what's interesting. And I, and I kind of had completely forgotten about it until you just kind of said that when I had Tom Hazard on like forever ago, he told a really interesting story and I haven't really thought about it until just, just now really, that he had said that uh, his because there do you remember the band Audio Vent? Okay, yeah, vaguely. So it was Jason Boyd, Brandon's brother, on vocals, and Mike's brother, uh, who I don't remember his name, uh, as the guitar player. And basically, from what Tom said, was in the writing process between Science to Make Yourself, Audio Vent was under a different name, and but it was you know same band, and that they sounded like they always have, which was more of that Make Yourself sound and then suddenly incubus starts kind of playing around <laughs> with that style and then blows up right and you know and then by the time audio event changed the name ended up putting out their first record like a handful of years later i think almost by the morning view album cycle you know everyone's like oh they sound like inc- like an incubus knockoff right and so it was like edema <laughs> yeah and so it's funny to me that you know tom was like oh you know i, I feel i always felt that Basically, the Incubus guys borrowed the audio event sound that they had already been doing and mm-hmm. then just kind of did it, got more popular first doing it. And so I always thought that was kind of interesting. And I'm, I've always kind of wanted to know more about that. But I guess Tom's the only connection I have to that. Cause I don't think anyone from Incubus, I should have just asked Jose that. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got to, and I'm not going to fault Incubus at all for kind of. Because if they were, if they would have continued to make Science Part Two, Part Three, Part Four, they're a club band that never that might have had some mystique about them, or you know they might have broke up and then came back and played a couple of festivals or something. But when when they have, you know, a hit like Pardon Me, and and they see what you know writing a rock song can do for you, and they continue to do it, I don't I don't fault them at all for that. You know, if they would have tried to make a radio rock album, which I think a lot of the bands at the time did. I mean, even Primer 55, they went from new metal to kind of active trying to write rock. some more, rock, you know, active rock, rock songs. Every single new metal band at the time did that. So it's it, that's not a slight to anyone at the time. But if you're, like I said, if you're a huge fan of, of early stuff, you know, they they... If you came in on Pardon Me, or if you came in on Stellar, or you came in on something like that, then I could see you growing with the band. And I know there are a lot of people, I have a lot of friends that are probably still huge Incubus fans that grew with them because, you know, an album like Science is a is a teenage album that take you back to your teenage years, and then you're going to grow as, you know, Make Yourself comes out and all the other, you know, subsequent albums come out. That was a big word. And <laughs> that you, you know, that you'll grow with them too. And then at, you know, when you're at 40, like all of us are now, then you're going to be like, all right, I still like Incubus because they're active rock or something. It's, it's, I, I don't fault them for doing what they did. I, you know, and then they probably obviously made a good choice to do what they did. But, uh, you know, I'm still going to stick with, with the first couple albums. No, that's totally that's totally you're right, and I think uh, it sounds like that's what a lot of fans had to say. Of uh, what someone has to say, let's get to my chat with Jose from Incubus.
So this uh, evening, I have the pleasure of talking to Jose from Incubus. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, everything's good, man. How about yourself? Uh, just got hit with a lot of rain all of a sudden while my wife was going to grill. So uh, our evening plans of dinner are kind of <laughs> up in the air now. Yeah, man. You gotta you gotta just be malleable, man. Change when <laughs> stuff changes. <laughs> kind of speaking to being malleable. Um, you know, I had read something a long time ago, uh, being a fan of the bands, that said that you hadn't really had any formal training as far as being a drummer. So I kind of wanted to know, how have you adopted such a, a very fluid style to kind of be so diverse uh, over the years? Um, I think just by the bands that I've listened to, those were sort of my teachers were other drummers from the bands that I worked from the from the drummers that I looked up to and the bands that I listened to, and I listened to a pretty diverse uh, range of music. So I think, you know, being so interested and so intrigued by the drums, I was kind of dissecting all the bands that I listened to. Um, and I think part of the part of the the early '90s with the sort of alternative music that was really kind of coming from that time were my main sort of inspirations. Um, but I, you know, so, so a lot of bands from, uh, you know, Soundgarden, Chili Peppers, Rage Against the Machine. And then I loved Carlos Santana and classic music like Led Zeppelin, um, and everything across the board, you know, John Coltrane and a lot of, uh, alternative bands like Firehose, um, and just, you know, punk bands from the 80s so and and you know into the 80s i wasn't really specifically um studying the drummers like i did when i turned 15 16 into the you know in the early 90s but they sort of shaped you know my my musical sort of tastes in the early 80s so um really just the bands i listened to they they shaped my music and my drumming and I kind of just bit everything I could from all those drummers and kind of made it, kind of made it my own, you know. It's interesting when you bring up, you know, someone like a Chad Smith who I think is criminally underrated in today's drumming society kind of you know, something that I've always kind of found interesting about you and very much like all those drummers actually you mentioned is just kind of how you play for the song. But even within doing that, you had such like little nuance to things that as a listener kind of keeps bringing people back and kind of like, oh, I never noticed that little like hi-hat, you know, like accent or, you know, some of these little things. And it's always kind of refreshing to as a as a listener and as a fan of just music as a whole to kind of unearth these things upon you know 10 15 years later upon listening to these records and i don't know if you know you people get to tell you that very often but i've always thought that that was a very refreshing thing that i've always loved about your drumming is just the little nuance that happens in it thanks man i appreciate that yeah i mean i i mean that's that's kind of um always been i don't know if i was too conscious of it but the the drummers that i listened to they were really playing for the song as a whole, but they did such cool little intricate small things that always stuck out to me. So it was just sort of ingrained in my playing to do the same sort of thing, you know, like listening to Stuart Copeland and his crazy hi-hat work. Oh yeah. Um, listening to Tim Alexander from Primus and all the little splash work and all just, just the, the fine little things that he would do in between it that made it interesting. That's what really caught me as a drummer listening to those kinds of bands with those kinds of drummers, you know, and I've, I've, I've just sort of tried to emulate that my whole time. So I, I appreciate you saying that because that's definitely something that, you know, I've done with all the music that I've done with Incubus, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, kind of speaking more, a little bit to the fans kind of side of things, you know, with the career that you've had over the 21 years or so of being in this entity of Incubus, you know, I always find it kind of weird that a lot of fans, you know, always say like, oh, I, I wish the band would go back to insert whatever record it is for them that, you know, they want the band to be kind of stuck in. And I've always kind of wondered, do you find that, do you think that the fans really want that or that they're just kind of, maybe an album or so behind and, and kind of, it takes a little bit to for them to catch up to where the band currently is. Um, I don't know. I, I think it might be a combination of the two, you know, I mean, 
I think there's a lot of nostalgia that's stuck with those uh, older records that people sort of attribute a period of their time to that music, like I do myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's always that sort of innate want to hear those because it kind of brings you right back to that. Um, but I, I mean, music to me is just ever changing, you know, and to right. make music is to kind of always push those boundaries and make it interesting for the musicians themselves. So we've been so conscious of what we've written and have always, you know, not done what we've done in the past, just because that's, that, that doesn't sound interesting to me, you know? And, um, I get, I get how, fans of ours will always say you know we wish you played you know or wrote music like this era or this record and and i totally can appreciate that unfortunately that's not what we do and we'll probably never do that and um i've heard that a bunch and then and then later i've run into some people too that going you know uh years later that we we enjoy this record that came later you know and it took time for us to sort of uh warm up to it and you know, I get that too. Some of my favorite music took me time to, to like really get into and be inspired by. So, um, you know, I, I think it's part of a little bit of both. In this day and age, kind of of a lot of bands kind of dipping back and sort of appeasing fans of a certain era. Would you guys ever, or have you ever talked about maybe doing like one of those anniversary type tours or playing a show in celebration of a certain album or something like that? Have you guys ever thought about doing that at all? You know, we, we just, we, we sort of have, you know, the past few months we have, um, uh, morning view is going to be, uh, actually, uh, make yourself will be 20 years. I think that was 1999. Yeah. Man. So that's going to be 20 years. Yeah. It's so crazy. Um, and you know, we kind of, we kind of messed around with the idea when science, when science, our first record turned 20. And so, you know, it's like, we do have these great opportunities to do stuff like that. And I think we're entertaining it more now than we ever have. We never really thought of that before, but, um, I think that would be great, man. I, I think just sort of having a theme uh, around a record would be great. And obviously there's, we have so many other songs, you know, we have such a, a long list of songs that people would want to hear that we can always play as well, but the theme would be sort of around that record. So um, maybe in the future we'll do, we'll, we'll take it more seriously and do something like that. But it's funny that you mentioned it because we just started talking about it, you know, as of, as of late. What's, Okay, here's a fun question. Uh, you know, a lot of times when you make records and you go on these touring cycles, you don't get to play everything. So what's maybe a song off of like a, a Make Yourself that you don't play that you would love to kind of go back and actually, you know, maybe give it its first live performance? Um, That's a good, I mean, that's, that's probably one of the hardest things for us to do is come up just with a set list because we do have <laughs> <laughs> so many records. Um. But it's funny, we, we were rehearsing the other day and we were playing like random songs like um, Out From Under, Blood on the Ground. These are from Morning View. Um, uh, we played Nowhere. We actually played Nowhere Fast for Make Yourself, which we hadn't played in a really long time, oh, wow. just a couple of months ago in Las Vegas. Um, and we just started playing Privilege again, which we haven't played in a long time either, um, just over the last few weeks. So, I mean, there's just so many, that's so hard. You know, it's like a lot of those songs are really fun to play. And we just, we play 22 or 23 songs, you know, over a couple of hours. And to sort of whittle 100 plus songs down to that is always so hard. But, you know, we kind of try to make an effort to change out songs from one night to the next, at least four or five of them. Um, but, you know, we won't be able to appease everybody and play everything. So we do our best. But, um Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. You guys are coming around here in Grand Rapids on May 31st. You already have a sold-out show at our newer venue, 20 Mineral Live. Uh, I believe it's sold out within two hours, I think is what I heard. How does that make you feel to know that yeah. uh, the first time you guys are coming back through Grand Rapids in quite a while and it's a show sells out that fast, it's it's got to feel really good? Yeah, it's really cool. It's like, you know, we have so many markets that, are obvious to go to, you know, when we do like a two or three month run, you know, a lot of them are A and B 
markets. And there's a lot of C and D and E markets that we don't go to <laughs> that we wish we do. So it's kind of cool to come back and, and play some of these markets and just know that we still have fans there and that, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're waiting for us. And that's pretty incredible. So we're, we're really excited to come there. What can we expect from this show? Cause I, I honestly can't think of a time probably since at least the make yourself era where you've played a room this size. So, I mean, what can, what can we expect in such a, an intimate style venue set list wise? Um, you know, I, you know, I, it's, it, that's such a, to us, that's a far long way away. So <laughs> we kind of, we kind of will address that as the time approaches, but it's really, it's actually really fun for us to kind of play these underplays and play smaller venues. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't do it that often, and when we do, it's always it's kind of just refreshing to break up the sort of you know routine that we do you know with sheds or playing festivals to bigger crowds you know so um, I, I think we're just play you know we're gonna try to mix it up as much as we can and play a two hour concert and just hopefully it'll be a fun journey for for not only us in the band but for everyone who's listening too you know and watching. Yeah, I. Uh... Speaking of festivals, a friend of mine was at Carolina Rebellion and was saying that you guys dipped into a cover of Pony by Genuine, and I know you used to do, or you had the cover of uh, Still Not a Player by uh, Big Pun that you used to do back in the day for the Hard and the Heavy compilation. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's it's fun for us to sort of just do things like that from time to time. We we that Pun cover was like the full song. Usually when we do bits and pieces of stuff live you know we'll do like a verse and a chorus or something like that but um yeah uh pony is always a is, a is always a great crowd pleaser and it's super fun to play but uh yeah we just played there in north carolina this sunday and it was awesome it was a great great show and we had a lot of fun it was funny when uh the person that was covering some stuff there mentioned that i was like it reminds me of when they dipped into tlc's no scrubs <laughs> one of the times i saw them <laughs> yeah we've done a bunch of random stuff <laughs> that's for sure and uh my last question for you uh you know 21 years into your career how do you guys still find inspiration to, to kind of keep going and to keep evolving what incubus is as a whole um what's been 27 years actually uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we're just, we're just, I think sort of at a place in our lives and in our careers where we, we really can appreciate what we do for a living and being able to play music still and travel the world and just, uh, have this sort of experience as a way of living is not lost on us. So I think us kind of just maturing and excited about playing music and writing music, I mean, our records about a year old that we just put out eight and that was super challenging just cause you know, we're eight records deep, but uh, the end result is something that we're so proud of. It's one of my favorite records. So for us, we just enjoy playing music, enjoy playing music together uh, with, you know, the same lineup as we've had for so many years and, you know, just being inspired by music and people and travels and everything around us, family. So I think that's what keeps us fresh and keep keep on going, you know? Yeah, awesome. Well, I always like to end these chats with a uh, song. So what would you like me to end this out to and maybe give a quick little story about why? Uh, one of our songs? Could be any song. <laughs> doesn't have to be yours. Could be anything. Really? Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Um... Oh man, that's that's kind of a hard one. Uh, there's there's a there's a band um, that I've just uh, that I just started listening to maybe about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, their name is Oceans Eight Alaska. Oh, a great band. Um, yeah, and uh, what song is it? Uh, Yukio, I think, is what it's called. Features uh, a drummer named Josh Manuel, and it's just. It's, you know, metalcore is what they call the music, but it's just kick-ass music, and the drumming is incredible. Uh, so maybe you could play that one just for, for all the drummers out there. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time, and uh, hopefully see you guys in a couple of weeks when you guys come through here to Grand Rapids. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. All right. Enjoy the rest of your night. All right. You too. So that was my chat with Jose from Incubus. It was uh, brief to say the least, but uh, kind of informative. I was pleasantly surprised uh, when I asked him 
if they'd ever thought about doing a 20 year anniversary tour or just an anniversary tour in general because you know bands of that legacy you know have a lot of records they could do that with that are that old and bring fans out more even though they're still in like an amphitheater type band right but to hear that potentially we might get a make yourself 20 year anniversary next year like that's i was kind of shocked i i kind of figured they weren't really ever going to go down that road yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe it when he said it either. I was totally taken aback by that answer. And, you know, I, I I look forward to something like that. I would love to, I would honestly love to see something like that and, and go check out a, a 20 year anniversary. And, you know, a lot of the bands that we're seeing now are doing 20 year anniversaries. I mean, that's, it's crazy. You know, my high school reunion, uh, 20 year high school reunion just happened. So um, I'm all about some 20 year reunions right now. And I, <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, when you think about bands doing that, I mean, it, it does create a buzz about the tour that you might not necessarily be all about going to. I mean, Hatebreed just came back through, not this last time, but the time before they were doing the 20 years of uh, Satisfaction is the Death of Desire, 15 years of, uh, what is it, Perseverance. Yep. And then, um, you know, that t- Satisfaction, I, I, I saw them probably four or five times on that tour and even got to open for them, I think, twice on that tour. And that took me back. So I was definitely 100% going to go see a 20-year anniversary of that of that album where they were playing an album in its entirety. And, you know, I've seen Slayer do Seasons in the Abyss in its entirety, Megadeth do uh, Rust in Peace in its entirety. I will 100% go and see a band do one of my favorite albums in its entirety. What's one of the last, what's one of maybe like your favorite record that has not been done that you would like to see? What's, what's uh, an example of that maybe? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I think that would be a couple billion year uh, <laughs> anniversary. Uh, it's it's uh, 2018 years ago when that happened. Uh, potentially. What year is it? <laughs> now, the dinosaurs. Yeah. Let's get off on that. But um, Well, the, the, origi- uh, the original dinosaur lineup won't reunite, sadly. Uh, the Stegosaurus is holding out. Well, yeah. <laughs> He's always looking for more money. He's got all those plates. He's got to shine up. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh, just off the top of my head, if I was to go see an album, maybe like a Snapcases progression through and learning. If we're in that hardcore kind of vein, I would love to see that. Um, maybe like Helmet doing um, Meantime in its entirety. Something I'm trying to think like something back to then, and then you know Corn doing. I think they're going to do three shows this year, kind of a, to celebrate follow follow the leader. I don't know if that's going they're going to play it in its entirety or what, but I know that they're celebrating that album. So I think it's you know, we're nostalgia sells. I mean, that's where we're at in our lives. You know, that's, uh, we all want to, to hearken back to our twenties and, and hearken back to our teenage years. And we all should have a little bit of disposable income right now. And, um, and we all want to go and see, you know, things that take us back to times before responsibility, times before kids and, you know, times before bills, you know, that's what, that's what these, these album, um, you know, throwbacks, that's where they take us. You know, they take us back to a time when, uh, when all we had to worry about was, you know, uh, was a member of corn leaving or, Oh my God, Max Cavalera just left Sepultura kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it was kind of funny in listening to your podcast today with that you released with Brandon from bleeding through the, the way you ended the episode was with uh, all in the family off of follow the leader, coincidentally enough. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself actually, cause you know, like you said, they are, at least alluding to the fact that they're going to do a 20 year follow the leader show. Now I saw the 20 years of uh, the 20 anniversary tour of the self-titled record. And that was really interesting. They even did like the in-between like sound bites of like them in the studio fucking around, like where it belonged and hearing a crowd (laughs) actually like do those bits. Like the, I wish we could hear a twist on a tape. You want to hear it? Fuck you. Fuck you. Like people actually doing all of that. Like it was kind of weird, but it was cool. Cause this you're like, is the oh. cockle. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just kind of like really interesting to, to have all of that uh, be played in between the songs exactly where they, they went. So, I mean, but I was kind of thinking, I mean, corn was just so huge on follow the leader that, you know, it made me start thinking like, Oh, are we going to, are they going to bring the corn cage back? Are they going to, you know, are you going to see, uh, could you possibly see them to, with, you know, Limp Biscuit or the Deftones and try to just really go all in on that nostalgia, maybe yeah. actually do all in the family. Uh, and maybe that's why the routing is the way it is, so they can get Fred to come out. I don't know if they still talk to Fred, but... Yeah, you know, what's funny, too, is is when you saw Corn, did they play 
they played the first album in its entirety. They played it in order. Yep, they played it in the order it went in, and then Daddy ended it. They went off stage for probably about four minutes, and then came out and played a like five or six encore of like the other yeah. hits. Yeah, and well, actually, one of the last bands I see, I saw to do a full on album was uh, Rob Zombie at Riot Fest when they did the Astro Creep 2000, uh, the White Zombie album in its entirety. But the one thing that Hatebreed did that I didn't care for at all is they played the entire Satisfaction, but they didn't play it in order, and they mixed in other songs with it. They would play uh, two songs off of Satisfaction and then play, you know, I Will Be Heard, and then they went back to, and it was just like, by the end of it, you're like, did I hear all the songs? Did they did they <laughs> no, play they it all? Like, you, you know, On our stuff, they didn't play all of it. Yeah, I don't even know if they... Like, but at the same time, you know, you walk away, you're like, did they play all of it? I don't even know. I wish <laughs> because when you when you hear, you know, go see an album in its entirety, a lot of that stuff is, you know, one track going into another track. I remember, you know, seeing Slayer do Seasons in the Abyss. And, you know, I listened to that cassette so much growing up that I knew there's like a half a second of silence in between those songs. So it's like, you know, I, I know like that's just the flow. And if they would have you know, mixed it up and, and, uh, and not played it in, you know, in a sequence that would have thrown me off. I think Metallica does that when they do, they did, um, they did the black album and they did ride the lightning, I think in its entirety, but I think they played them backwards because mm. they didn't want to open the show with inner Sandman. They wanted to close with it and they didn't want to close with call of Cthulhu. So they, you know, they kind of, they, they, they played them in reverse. So that's still kind of, kind of similar, but not so much. That was how it was when I saw on Earth when they did the Oncoming Storm tour. They nice. so like they, I mean, because like, I mean that album so front loaded with bangers that it was like, man, like I don't know how much of a room is going to be left after those first like four songs. <laughs> right. But they, you know, they they waited for like uh, Zombie or uh, Autopilot or Zombie Autopilot. I think it's the song title, um, and. I just always remember the alarm clock ripped it. Like the, I think it's my will, my will be done was on another record. But either way, the uh, like the big singles, like they they moved them so it made more of an interesting set, so it had dynamics, sort of like an yeah. album does or can. So I mean, I sometimes get why bands move things around; it makes for a better set flow. But I agree that sometimes, like I guess. I don't know. I mean, I've seen I've seen both ex- instances done, and there is something about the the record that you heard, that you fell in love with and heard the way it was it is that way forever in your brain however it does kind of when you don't know where the song's going to be so when it finally hits you you the, like the song <laughs> you get more excited for but i mean there are certain songs like it was interesting to hear blind be the first song because typically when you hear it it's toward the end of the set right so it was interesting that literally that was how the show started and <laughs> just the insane crowd that i was a part of uh for that and to hear it i never honestly i never thought i'd get to hear daddy live that was i don't think i ever need to hear it live i don't really listen to it on the record as it is but it's interesting to be able to hear some of these songs i know for the make yourself album there's a handful of songs toward the end like uh i miss you like that would be interesting to hear live because i don't think they've done it in forever um right so i mean like there's some of that stuff that i think would just be interesting to to kind of see and hear some of these songs, that, like unless you saw the band around, probably have never seen. And I think that's I think that's half of the other allure of it is just getting to see songs that maybe are deep cuts that you you really appreciate that you don't get to hear. Yeah, and looking back, I mean, I I'm actually trying to think if they played Daddy, <clears throat> you know, back in the day when I would go to those corn shows on the first album tour, and you know they were already headlining clubs and selling out clubs on that first album. And I'm trying to think if they played daddy. I don't think, I don't honestly, I don't think I've ever seen them play that live. That's so, awkward. You're not missing much. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's a lot of fun. I'm sure they, they took that four or five minutes. So Jonathan could go wipe his tears. Um, when you saw him, but, uh, but yeah, that's, I'm trying to think what they, if they, I don't think they did covers. I'm trying to think if well, they just they played like to play maybe some of the other shit because it sounds like at least from the the snippets of audio of them recording it they already had songs like twist and at least pre-pro yeah. so might have i don't know i'll have to go back and look at some of those set lists that's a question that's the one you should they, ask Ed. yeah i'm gonna text him right now and see what he's up to <laughs> so brian what are you <laughs> up to yo bry 
<laughs> I can always uh, I can always text Wes Borland. He does seem to uh, text back, which I think is always funny. Yeah. And then he'll post it on Instagram. <laughs> well, I think uh, I'll let you get back to your 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 family there. Uh, before we have you leave, though, what are what are some uh, places people can find you, follow you? How can people interact with you? Um, you know, I like to hang out at the Kroger on uh, Lewis and Clark. Dude, it's funny you say Kroger. My time hop today uh, posted (laughs) a comment where I was texting a friend, and I went to say, you can use your Kroger card, but it put Kroger card, and then I go, well, I bet prices are slashed with that anyway. Hey, there you go. He was like, did you set yourself up to do that? I was like, no, it was totally an autocorrect (laughs) thing on my phone, but I rolled with it real quickly and made a joke out of it that I thought was pretty solid. Yeah, there's nothing better than when autocorrect autocorrects to even something funnier than what you were going to originally put. And you're like, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Um, so talk to me. You can uh, you can follow me at talk to me talk on Twitter, Facebook.com slash talk to me talk. If you want to send me an email, talk to me talk at gmail.com and uh, check out the podcast at metalnexus.net slash talk dash to me. Uh, for the archives of the show and uh, and pretty much any podcast catcher that you listen to your shows on, you can always find it there. That's Talk To Me, T-O-O-M-E-Y. And if you would like to follow our partner at Mosh Pit Nation, you can find them at moshpitnation.com. Follow them on Facebook at Mosh Pit Nation West, capital M-I. Instagram and Twitter are simply Mosh Pit Nation. And if you would like to keep up with all things the John's Untitled Podcast, you can do such on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at John's Untitled Podcast. Tweet at me at John's Untitled Pod. And email me at johnsuntitledpod at gmail.com. A big thing for both the Talk To Me podcast and this podcast, rate, review, subscribe, however you listen to any of our podcasts. Do that. It helps greatly. And we're going to end this episode as we always do with a song. And as you heard Jose say at the end of uh, my chat with him, he wanted me to end with Oceans 8 Alaska's Yukayo. So we are going to do that. So for this episode, I am John. And, that's a and I am Joshua. <laughs> a yawning Joshua. <laughs> Thanks again for coming on, and I will talk to you all next week. Bye.